Amazing. Uh, thanks so, so much for having me here, guys. It's uh, always super fantastic to actually be able to get up here and yeah, just share the word with you guys. It's a massive blessing to me. And I hope it's a blessing to you guys too. So our word today comes from uh, Luke 15, and it's Luke 15, 1 to 10. So the word of God reads, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners to eat with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in open country? and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has, sen- has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would be over this word today. Lord, that you would just... uh, Give me wisdom and the right words to say that your congregation could be blessed and I wouldn't say a word that's out of place or not in line with what you say. And Lord, I just pray that we can all receive this word together, Father God, and we can just come closer to you and we can glorify you even more through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us here for the last few weeks or even months, you'd know that we've spoken a lot about our purpose in life, and that purpose in life is to give God glory in all that we do. And that means in every part of our life, with every effort, we should do our best to glorify God and bring Him joy. Fortunately, what brings God joy isn't some hidden mystery for us to unravel because it's actually written right here, plainly and clearly, within our verse today. And that is the repentance and salvation of someone who's lost in sin. So simply put, If you want to glorify God in your life and bring him joy, then you have to search for the lost. So our verse today um, opens on Jesus, uh, an answer to Jesus' call for listeners in the previous chapter. And those who came to listen were actually the tax collectors and the sinners, those who were considered to be the worst of society at that point in time. So we sort of have this question then, is why... Did the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hate that Jesus was dining with these sinners and tax collectors so much? Well, the reason for that is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were super well accustomed to reading a midrash, which is sort of like our modern-day study Bibles, based on Exodus, which was written way after the initial writing of Exodus. And so within this book, or this midrash, it actually contains this phrase that best translates to let not a man associate with the wicked even to bring him close to the law. So these Pharisees and teachers of the law took this rabbinic text as law rather than the actual words of Exodus themselves. See, whereas in Exodus 19.6, God actually instructs Israel 
to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, meaning that they were meant to tell everyone and anybody that they knew about God. Instead, they actually lost their way. By the time Jesus came, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law ended up seeing themselves as some sort of exclusive club who would only associate with the holiest of people. Now, of course, at the time, Jesus couldn't just tell them that, oh, this midrash that you're so reliant on is wrong. Otherwise, the Bible story would have ended way too quick. And, you know, we all know how it actually meant to end. But um, instead, he decided to tell them these two parables. So these two parables of the 99 sheep and the lost coin are so similar that most people, most theologians will actually look at them together. And so we'll be doing that today. And these two parables were basically a way for Jesus to explain that his mission was to the sinners of the world and contrast the action that the Pharisees were taking as well as the leaders of the time. Now, personally, every time I read these parables, it always brings back uh, memories of my little mixed terrier named Timmy that I used to have when I was younger. And he was a super great dog. I loved him to bits. But he loved to run away. And every time he did run away, everyone in the house would always drop what they were doing, no matter what they were doing, and go out to search for him. We'd search in the streets and the local dog parks. We'd search high and low, mainly low because it was pretty small, but um, we'd do that all day until we found him. And that whole time we were searching, we would always be worried that Maybe he had been hit by a car or maybe someone had taken him to keep his own pet. And look, even though some may say that, well, it's just a dog, like why is it worth that much worry? The love and desire to keep him safe and sound like any other member of our family was there. And when he was found, we wouldn't try to discipline him or anything. We just brought him back, overjoyed that he was safe. And that's that same sort of love that God actually has for the lost. Much like a dog, we could say that we really aren't worth the trouble of God saving. But the desires of God's heart is to see the lost safe and sound, returned into a relationship with him. That's so much so that he even sent his one and only son to die for us. So what this picture of the shepherd and the woman with the coin is, is that of Jesus and his disciples, by extension, searching for the lost. It's a call for disciples of Christ to have a heart like God for the lost. And just like you wouldn't sit around waiting for a dog to return to you, we have to go out and we have to reach the lost, looking everywhere we possibly can in order to find them, so we can also share in that joy with God. Because that will ultimately bring glory and joy to God. And like the friends in the story, we also get to share in that joy of the lost being found. Now, the biggest challenge for us as Christians is for where we stand in this parable. See, many people in the church want to continue to be part of the 99. And let's face it, it doesn't really require much effort to do that. It's always easier being part of the crowd. But like the 99, we can spend all of our time within the church walls, never choosing to associate with the outside world. And many people will tell you that that's a better way to be as a Christian because it's safe, there's no one to lead you astray, and you're not opening yourself up to the sins and temptations of the world. But 
living like life like that doesn't glorify God and it doesn't bring him joy. In verse 7 of our text today, it says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. God loves all these people. Don't get me wrong. He loves the praises that we bring to him each and every week that are brought to him by this community of believers that we call the church. But what really brings God the most joy is not worth worshipping him within the church. It's reaching out to the lost to see them saved. Now, that's not to say that there's no room to be part of the 99, because that's actually a really great place to start when you first come to Christ. But it's just not where we should stay. So, that brings the question, if we really want to glorify God and bring him joy in our life, then what do we do instead? Well, we need to model our life after the image of the shepherd instead of the sheep. See, we can't just stay comfortable all the time. And so, how do we then be a shepherd instead of a sheep in our life? Well, the first thing we have to do is to seek the lost. I know that seems pretty obvious, but nothing else is actually going to happen until we decide to actively search for those in our life who are lost and in need of God. See, just like the shepherd and the woman in the parable, if we don't intentionally seek out the lost, we're not going to find them. And we need to search everywhere for them. On the streets, in our workplaces, in our family, even in our church. We should never just assume that anyone is saved. Rather, we have to have the same desire that God has for finding the lost in our life and not just stay comfortable in place where we're in. The second is the need to actually connect with them and build the meaningful relationships that we need to have in order to bring them to Christ. See, it doesn't do us any good to just find them and leave it at that. We need to treat them like Jesus did. And just like Jesus didn't speak down from a podium to them, we shouldn't either. Instead, Jesus chose to dine with the sinners. He even attended their parties and connected and related to them. And just like Jesus, we can't be afraid to associate with sinners in this way. Because we won't win people to the kingdom by staying in the church. But that means we need to be mature in Christ. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit in these relationships. And we need to represent God to the best of our abilities in these relationships. So we can't condone and we can't partake in any of the sinful actions where we have to show them the love of Christ in everything that we do. And take a step out of the comfort, our comfort zone to actually talk about the gospel with them. Look, that's not to say that you have to be that weird Christian friend who only talks about Jesus and makes all the non-Christians uncomfortable. But if you really model your life after the glorification of God, then your values will stay and you'll genuinely have Jesus as a priority in all of your relationships and you'll choose to lead those around you towards him no matter how hard it is. The third thing that you can do to ensure that you're living a life that's going to lead people to Christ 
is to know your scripture and understand some theology. See, this probably is the toughest for most of us, especially within our Pentecostal circles. I know we're much uh, better at singing than we are at uh, doing theology, but you know, it's still super important. And as tough as it is, apologetics is an important part of evangelism. So if you don't know how to answer the questions that you post, then how are you going to be able to inform someone else? See, in 1 Peter 3.15 it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And by no means does this mean that I'm saying we should all go to Bible college. Seriously, don't, because it's actually really hard. Uh, but you have to put in some effort for it. And having a knowledge of the word is important to your relationship with God, especially if you want to properly glorify him in your life. Because the more you learn, the more you'll really know who God is and what he's like. But remember to be humble with that knowledge. It's not because you can answer every question that you're asked amazingly that people will turn to God, because only God can change their hearts. The final thing that we need to do is to pray for a heart like God and ask God to give you a heart that desires to seek out the lost. God will answer a prayer that's prayed to glorify him. So he will most certainly do that for you. See, we need to start seeing outreach and evangelism as something we're doing along with God to help him build his kingdom and reach the lost. We need to pray for everyone we meet that they could know God as well as we do. And when we're lucky enough to actually see them come to God, they should be... Sorry. Yeah, when when we're lucky enough to actually see people repent and turn to God, we should share in the joys of heaven with the angels. And like that, there should also be rejoicing in the church. We need to trust God with people's salvation and pray for our brothers and sisters who are turning to Christ to receive them with a Christ-like heart and thank and praise God for what he's doing in their life. Then we as a community need to lead them to be, become shepherds rather than sheep in their life to help them move on from just being a part of the 99 to actually bringing more people for God's kingdom so that he can be glorified through their life as well. So, yeah, it's all about finding the lost, speaking to the lost, connecting with the lost, knowing God, because that's the only way that we're genuinely going to reach him and genuinely bring God joy. And ultimately, evangelism is hard. It needs to be constantly on our hearts and minds and at the center of our relationships so that God can be glorified in all that we do. Because God's heart is truly for the lost, and so ours should be too. So I'd really like to challenge you guys to think about where you stand in this parable today. Do you want to stay a sheep or do you want to start following Christ's image and living a life to glorify God in your life? Because if you do, you have to make a move. 
you need to start praying for the lost in your life and changing your relationship with those around you to be more like Christ. You can't just stay in the church. You need to go out there and do it. In your workplace, your friendships, or even to every single stranger on the street. There's so many people in desperate need of God. And God wants to see them saved. So we should all be a part of that. That was quite a short one. I'm sorry I was speaking so fast, but uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives, for all of the people that you're putting into the places around us that we could speak to them, that we could encounter them and share with them you, God, because we want to glorify you in our lives. We want to lift you high in our lives, Father God, and we want other people to know just how great you are. So God, wouldn't you just move in our hearts, change us and mold us to be more like you, that we could really have a heart for all the lost people in this world, Father God. Change our hearts and our minds to care more about the things of your heart and know you deeper, Father God, and want to know you deeper, Father God. Yeah, in all of this, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.